with Mitch Trubisky, I can at least walk through and be like, at least we went for the guy that we wanted. That's fine. Mitch is a quarterback that we never wanted. You know, you saw... You guys, before the show, a lot of people like this one as well. That's the one! That's the one! <laughs> Sam this guy... Up. John, you my man! You my man! I love this one! This one's a keeper. I don't care about anybody else. I can remove my team. That's a keeper. Julie, go ahead, John. <laughs> I mean, guy, if he brought, if literally, if my sister brought him home, I'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but he but seems like, so sweet at the same oh, he time. Oh, with like, his glasses, with <laughs> his glasses, again. Yeah. Also, voices from everywhere. And I always talk about this uh, for the fan, by the fans, for the fans. You know what I'm saying? And so you guys have a unique way of being able to do what you guys do. And I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much because I see you. If I see you, that means you guys are out there, and that's always me Young, as long as you're not going to be a Green Bay Packer, I have to put that out there. I have to put that out there. <laughs> no, anywhere else, hey, as long hey. as you don't go to Green Bay, we're okay. I know, I know, right? Now, I appreciate you guys having me and support, man. Honestly, like, I think... We're on this. <laughs> guys, try and remain professional and compose yourself here, for God's sake. <laughs> we... This uh, this whole show is getting deleted, guys. Just so you know, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's never going to be on. Welcome back to the Irish Bears show. It is great to be back talking Bears football. There's been a little bit of news this week. Bears fans going a little bit crazy on different topics over on Twitter. We like to talk about it a little bit. I'm joined by my three co-hosts, Tony, Anthony, Adam. Adam, I'm going to start with you. How are you doing today? Doing great. The sun is shining here in beautiful Chicago adjacent Forest Park. And, uh, you know, it's been raining a lot over here. And I know that uh, we've got that Western Europe rain going on. Uh, it, I, I don't think the last time we've seen sunshine, it's been quite a while. So it's very refreshing over here. And it's a beautiful day to talk football. There's a lot going on, a lot with our OTAs. And we've got, you know, obviously a lot more uh, important things happening right now. Twitter, though, going crazy. Love it. Uh, you guys have been uh, moaning about the weather in Chicago for the last like six months, off and on. Yeah, dude. As bad, bad weather, this bad weather. There's no such thing as bad weather. Just the <gasps> wrong choice of clothes. So grab yourself a sexy raincoat and get out there and then live a little. <laughs> thank God, you, thank God, thank God, you said the word raincoat there because I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> that is a uh, credit to the great and brilliant Billy Connolly <laughs> for anyone that has not oh, seen him make sure that you do go look at it but yeah so we're going to talk about some of the bears here we're going to talk about OTAs the kind of youth movement that's going on because I know a lot of people are kind of complaining about the bears a lot of national media saying they're going to be the worst team in the NFL but it's been a big change right it's gone from being one of the oldest teams to being the youngest so it takes a lot out of you in terms of looking at that so look Anthony, I'm going to start with you. Um, we've seen a lot of these different reports about some of the, I guess, the most important players on this team, the younger guys coming through, that they're starting to impress in some of these practices, whether it be with their intensity, making plays, getting to move up to first teams. We saw, we've heard a, a bunch of different names. What's one na- What's one story that's kind of come out over the last couple of weeks that's impressed you of, maybe one of the younger players in this team that kind of resonates and gives you a bit of excitement going into training camp in the next couple of weeks. It isn't just kind of one name. It's them as a collective. Um, Obviously Jones is obviously the one that stands out in the last couple of days because he looks like someone that, that 
is making a real play to get in at one of the, at a left tackle. But also, you're looking at a variety of different attitudes that I like. And, and it goes back to what we've been saying for the last few weeks is these guys seem to feel like they've got a chance at starting here. And they got a chance, a real chance, and an opportunity to play for the Chicago Bears in an NFL game. And it's bringing them a level up. And then it's forcing everybody else to jump up on top of that. So you've got the likes of Eddie Jackson suddenly seems to be more energized and wants to get around the, around the field. Jalen Johnson was with the seconds and now is one of the best defensive players on the field in OTAs. And it's creating this this competition and, and feel and attitude. And yeah, I agree with Joe. Brisker is another one that... I think it was really interesting, actually, that one of the one of the clips they showed it was a pass, I think, to Mooney from Justin. And all the DBs, all they were doing was trying to bang the ball out of his hand as he ran past. It seems to be that they're 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 kind of already getting onto the brisker way of way of defending. So look, there's so much to be enthused about. Don't listen to the negativity that you're seeing all over the place. There's a lot to be enthused at in Chicago right now. Yeah, look, I would be remiss if we don't actually start off the show a little bit about. All the story that has been going on today. And the Bears haven't even been practicing. They've been together at Wrigley Field. Justin Fields and Cole Komet have been hitting dingers into, <laughs> into the bleachers. And look, it's it's been a lot of fun. And it goes with one of the comments right here. And Adam, I'm going to bring this to you. I hope that you're like a resident Cubs fan here because oh. it would be good. <laughs> we're, we're coming to you live from my Cubs room. So you're you're in good hands here, my buddy. There we go. So better hitter, <laughs> Justin Fields one or, or, or Hayward. Well, and I know who this is coming from, and he's going to wholeheartedly agree. Justin Fields, absolutely a better hitter than Jason Hayward. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know. It's, it's you, not that like, hard, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And for, for a little context, if you're not familiar, he's the guy, you know, they paid a lot of money to to come in and, you know, hit the baseball. And now he's making like $22.5 million to play defense. So uh, Chicago fans are ready to see him go. We're ready for our own, you know, sell the expensive guy, eat a little bit of money, and let's move forward. Yeah, I remember what I remember when that deal was done, and everyone was like, he, he always used to get the important hits against the Cubs when he played for the Cardinals. Like, and everybody yep. was like hyped when he came in, and they're like, oh, <laughs> this this is what we got. I think that I think a better one here, and I'm assuming we've all seen the videos already, right? Which one was the more impressive home run, Justin Fields or Cole Komet? Um. I'm going to say Fields just because I know Fields played, uh, played, but Cole Komet was like a good power hitter locally. He's from, uh, you know, he's from the area I grew up around him. He, he's a bit, a big time power hitter, but to see Fields kind of put that one out, I didn't expect it. Um, plus that's our guy, right? That's our, that's, oh, captain, my captain, like hit that home run. Let's go, man. Let's let that be the, the epitome of this season right there. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's just so hard not to, keep giving compliments to uh the ca- the captain of this team <laughs> he's a freak Justin man Fields. he does everything so well and including you know interview like everything he does just feels so smooth it's great and and for those people he also does quarterbacking very well just yeah. putting it out there because there's oh, yeah. a lot of people that are convinced that he just that there's problems with him and look he's you you only have to look at what the coaching staff has said one of the guys, and I think it was Eberflus, was mentioning that he expects kind of a a development path of what we saw with Dak Prescott and some of the improvements that they're making, and it, it's really interesting. Yeah, like this this comment here, Justin looked effortless swinging the bat, but not only that, and Tony, I'm going to bring you in on this one, is 
when we look at it as an overall... Don't ask me about baseball. But I'm not going to ask you about baseball. <laughs> I'm going to say overall, though, what was really good to see is this team actually coming together. And they look genuinely excited, kind of hanging out with each other, both offense and defense. And you're starting to see something that we didn't really see last year, that this is actually a team again, rather than like a group of individuals trying to put up some good numbers that they're coming together, even though it's like being intense. And the fact is when, when that happens, Iberflu's giving them that time off to kind of, I guess, have that team building exercises and, it seems to have worked the treat. Look, listen, the cynics out there will say that, you know, we we, we were duped with the with the Nagy era. Um, you know, the guys were having fun together and club dub and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like, but it it kind of gently felt a bit forced then. Whereas I feel like they're just giving the guys an opportunity to learn, to kind of grow together as, as guys, as teammates. I mean, they're going to be hanging about with each other more than they're going to be their own families uh, between now and, and February. So it's going to be so important to, to have that sort of camaraderie and, and build those relationships there. And especially because there are so many new guys coming in the league. And for all, you know, these guys are, you know, big athletes, you know, obviously guys that are comfortable in certain situations. You're going into a locker room with guys that are like, you know, really, really famous. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's easy to get starstruck. It's easy to get um, overwhelmed. Um, and the fact that they're letting the, the, all these guys are hanging about together, getting to, to know each other is hugely important. You know, the culture is something that you know, we've spoke about, spoken about for years. People have gone about how the culture was great with, with the last regime. And it, it wasn't, obviously. Um, and that, that is something that people hate that C word because it's been tainted by everything that's happened previously, but it's still so important. The culture is really, really important in building that sort of winning mentality and that team mentality as well. So I'm liking what they're doing. Hopefully it continues um, over over the summer. Um, just as long as no one gets arrested, then I'm, I'm happy for them to go out and swing bats and do whatever they, <laughs> they need to do. But um, but yeah, it's um, everything's off to a good start. Uh, you know, in terms of scene, uh, it's positive. And I hope that that continues. Yeah, look, Anthony, I'm going to bring you on on this as well. It's something that we've always said. It's when it comes to professional locker rooms. I know people want to say that it's it's not important and stuff early on, but it actually is important that guys like each other. Like I've been a part of locker rooms where you have important people on a particular team that absolutely hate each other, and you can win. Right, and then there's other teams where it's maybe not as good of a team, but everybody gets along, and it makes it easier coming to work when everybody is there, kind of coming together and working for the same goal. And that's something that obviously has to come from the coach. The coach has to constantly put that into them that they're building this for the ultimate prize to eventually be able to represent Chicago in a Super Bowl. And that's that should always be the goal. While it may not be a short-term goal, it has to be the long-term one. It has to be where you're looking to get to. Because if a guy doesn't see themselves as trying to get to that point, they shouldn't be on the team. Because that's ideally what every single team should be striving for. And it's been a very long time since we can say that a Bears team or you have players that seem to be coming together to try and achieve that. Yeah, it's it's definitely the foundation that you can you can build most teams in, because. 
the really, really good teams, it's it's stuff like today, it's stuff like even even the fact that they broke the rules and got caught, all those things will feed into the whole us scenario. Even even straight away, even Fuse's interview where he was talking about, oh, the de- one, I think one of the reporters asked him, oh, the defense was better today than the offense. He was like, yeah, it's going to happen during games. Sometimes the defense is going to be on top and it's up for up for the offense to, to do that and vice versa and flip it around. Hopefully come, come together and gel as a team. And They seem very orientated around that. And it's, it's brilliant to see. I think one of the comments in here was was about the fact that 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 they're all the same age, approximately, roughly around the same age, and these guys have to get on. And you just you need that because when it gets tough, when there's games when you should be winning and you're losing, you need to know that the guy beside you is a, is your friend, and you want to be able to almost put everything in on the line for them, rather than oh the guy beside me gets a really good paycheck. So that's the reason why he's here, and it it any sort of negativity like that will seep in, and we saw it. We saw it over the last couple of years at Chicago with some of our players who basically were there for the paycheck. And we want to have a guys who are there going, yeah, we're building something. And it's two, three years. It's it's You can see the bill that's there. And the foundation for that is everyone's in it together. You might take one or two of those players out as a year goes by or a year, year or two goes by, but it's still the core of what it means. So when new guys come into that unit, they're expected to represent Chicago, represent the team, but also represent their teammates as quickly as they possibly can. Yeah, like I know a lot of people give, uh, when they see this, they always start to bring up like the club dub and stuff. But look, at the end of the day, every single fan was all on board club dub when they were winning football games because everybody thought it was cool. Everybody was like, let me see the videos. Let me see the videos. But like at the end of the day, we're at a point now where they're in the off season. You want them to build camaraderie because this is a completely new team. We spoke about it before. There was, what, 40-plus new players on this team. So it's really good to see that today. I think that is really important. Um, but, yeah, like it's it's one of those that I think it's it's good to kind of see this going forward and hopefully the Bears can kind of continue this and that the coaching can, I guess, mix up the fact that they've had really, really intense practices with when they do the work, they are rewarded as well. So it is interesting. But, look, I do want to bring in our, our guest today. It's uh, – Look, it's always good when we get to talk to new people on the show. We've had some people returning. This is this guy's first time on the Irish Bear Show. Let's hope we don't scare him off too much. But it is Nate Atkins. Nate, how are you doing today? Hey, guys. Doing well. Appreciate you inviting me on. Hey, Nate. Yeah. Good to see you, man. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, we were just talking about the Bears' fun trip to Wrigley Field today. Um, so... I, I'm assuming you've seen some of the videos that have come out already. Oh, um, right? <laughs> yeah. So one, one of the questions that we've asked um, kind of the people is, what home run was more impressive, Justin Fields or Cole Komet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Komet played college baseball, so that's kind of cheating, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Cole Komet gets a rough time on the internet, and I, I kind of facilitate some of that. So I'm going to go with Cole Komet. Uh, you know, I'll give them the love. Very, very good. Look, there's a, there's a bunch of you guys that are listening over onto Twitter. Make sure you come over to YouTube so you can get your comments in. Uh, so, again, we can read them out, go through some of the stuff. But, look, I want to kind of shift this a little bit to some of the stuff we've heard this week on OTAs. And probably one of the first stories this week was the Bears losing an OTA practice. But then it seems like as we've kind of delved into the conversation around this, Bears fans have made what appeared to be a negative when the story first came out to a positive that this is something that 
we're seeing something different at Iberflus that the intensity is up there already in practice. It's not even training camp and you're starting to see players really pushing it and it's something that we expected from Iberflus, but it's come really early. Nate, when you saw this story come out and I guess the days after, what's been your opinion of this? Uh, I didn't really think too much of it. I mean, he's not the first coach to do it. Um, I think to your point, right, he's establishing an identity here. And so he wants people to know we're going to hit. I think to me too, I think we're going to talk about this, but uh, these guys are young now. So hitting, hitting during OTAs, hitting during the preseason, it shouldn't matter as much. You know, I think that's a rule to really protect veterans a lot more than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, Tony, I'm going to bring it to you. What's, what was your opinion of, of this as well? Because it's an interesting it's an interesting one that came out. It obviously wasn't that like it wasn't that important because at the end of the day they didn't get fined. Like the Bears or Eberflus, nothing came out of that. It was really just they had to forfeit a practice. But as I think we've mentioned before, they probably got way more out of that practice where they where the intensity was much higher and they were hitting each other in that one than some of these OTAs, which we've mentioned as well on previous shows. That at times they can be kind of like glorified walkthroughs yeah of course they did and and, and this is this is a, a comment here from bruja this story wasn't a story and he's absolutely spot on because it, it wasn't because look at the situation w- with with chicago Pe- people say well uh oh they've made a mistake and it's a it's a it's a cock up from a brand new regime and all this kind of stuff and it's like but they haven't made the mistake they knew what they were doing ibrafus isn't an idiot he knew that he was he was doing contact at a time he wasn't meant to be doing contact because he thought it was going to be more beneficial for his team. I know people think it's, it's, it's something they overlook, but I genuinely think they knew what they were doing the whole time. And I'm all there for it. Like, I I just, I, I love this shift in approach that we've got. I love the attitude. Um, I just, it just, it's, it's really planting your marker out there and saying, this is my team. I'm going to do things my way, regardless of anything else. Um, and whether or not you believe it was an accident or whether you did it deliberately is up to yourself. But for me, I think it was probably they knew what they were doing and uh, and they were trying to make a statement. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, I haven't kind of spoken to you too much about this. Like, what's been your opinion of this? That It seems like the intensity is finally up to a level that you would, you would honestly, you would expect from a professional team, but obviously hasn't been there over the last few years that it seems like I guess the important thing is that players are buying into it because that's obviously a, a difficult one when you're that coach that you're coming in and you're going to end up preaching that you you need to run more, you need to be more physical, you need to make sure that the intensity is up. Sometimes guys tune that out, but it seems like the team is buying in as evidence from today, but also these practices and how the players have spoken about them. Yeah, and and to your guys' point, um, the fact that n- there really was no negative that came out of it. They lost to practice. The players were like, "Heck yeah, I got to golf eighteen holes today. Like awesome." Um, but the the thing is, it, it's that intensity. And uh, both Mark Grody and Adam Hogue said on the radio that the one thing you notice from that's vastly different from years past is in between plays, going to the ball, whatever. Everybody's running. Everybody's hustling. The intensity's there. They're, they're already creating that buy-in. So, yeah, they said a couple, every once in a while a young guy might step in a little bit too hard or make some contact, whatever, but they fixed that right there. Obviously, whatever they were doing might have been a little more than that, but it, it's the fact that 
in years past where we're seeing guys run past dudes and not down them. We're seeing guys, you know, make a lazy angle to a ball. And now we're hearing that in these, these uh, voluntary practices, not a single guy is, is loafing. And I know, you know, the whole loaf thing rubs some people the wrong way, but you know, it tongue in a tongue in cheek way, I get it, you know, hustle, hustle and play. That's, that's your reward. You want to be rewarded for, you know, get out there and run. Um, it, it's, it's working. It's good. And you know, they didn't cross a line. And if you love statistics, the last four or five teams who've gotten this particular penalty have made the playoffs that year. So guess what? Well, whoever guessed 11 wins for the bears this season, we're well on our way. The other, the other <laughs> thing as well, that I'll add, <laughs> I love it. Well, the other thing I'll add on to that is the reason behind that for me is that this has been created by the fact that everyone has a chance to play. You, you want to show it. You want to get a chance. You know, Braxton Jones coming in, who's a rookie, and suddenly he's currently left tackle. If the game was played tomorrow morning, that's what it's projected to be. Obviously, that may not be the case. But if you're Braxton Jones and you're all the other rookies are the undrafted free agents, you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. I have a chance here. And I'm going to, I'm being told by my coach, I have to, I, this is how I have to do. And I'm, that's what I'm going to do. It then drags everyone up with it. And there's no more Eddie Jackson videos of, you don't have to tackle, man, don't worry about it. There will be no more of those videos. And that's what the, the culture we spoke about, that's what we're trying to create in Chicago. And if that's the starting building block, I am all on for this. Yeah, I think like, at the end of the day, it's, it's important to, uh, like I said, I think when you have so many new players, it's important that you do get that buy-in, right? And that's, that's, probably the first thing that Ibrahim was talking about with his coaches that that's one of the things you really really do need to get to but look um I do want to talk about some of the observations that we've kind of seen come out over the last while in relation to kind of the training camp has been mentioned a little bit here but Nate one thing that I guess we've we've spoken about before on the show but I think it's important is that we're seeing Ibrahim kind of mix and match some of these players so you're seeing like Jalen Johnson, like two weeks ago, where he was playing with the second team, and Iberflus was telling the reporters, "Don't look too much into it. It could be to do with conditioning and things like that." You saw then Tevin Jenkins being playing with the second team at right tackle. You're seeing the rookie Braxton Jones actually come up at left tackle with the first team, even if even if it's a wash and it's kind of the players we expect getting some of these guys that experience is invaluable because. We know how many injuries happen in the NFL. Yeah, I think it's huge. And I, I think when you look at the Bears, uh, one of the big questions, so we'll talk about, you know, Braxton. There's a lot of depth questions, right? Like who's really behind some of the starters? So you're right. I mean, you got to get him up there. You got to get him experience. If he's a guy that's showing early, right, in camp that he might have something, and you got to get him that shot. Jalen Johnson on the second team, I wasn't really too sure what to read into that, you know, I didn't think it was much of a big deal conditioning something, maybe giving another guy a look. But I think to your point, uh, guys have to play and guys are probably going to play this year. People get hurt. You're going to fill in guys. You know, Elijah Wilkinson had to step in last year and that was just brutal. You know what I mean? This guy that's never played before. So you got to get these guys reps while you can. You can't, you know what I mean? Okay. So if somebody thinks this is an 11 win team and there's going to be injuries, there's no way you get to 11 wins if guys get injured and you're putting in guys that have never played before. So. Yeah, exactly. You want to get these guys as prepared as possible. And look, Adam, the interesting thing, and I, I was talking to both Tony and Anthony about this, and I think it's one of those important things is when we talk about the changes that were made this week and kind of guys 
moving up and moving down. The fact that Braxton Jones was brought up and he was brought up to play left tackle and Boreham was moved to the other side shows that they see him as a tackle and not as a guy they just see as a very good offensive lineman. So they try and pigeonhole him into guard. They see him here for the future. Maybe it's not this year. But maybe they view him as a left tackle moving forward and that they're not doing the whole Kyle Long situation, right? Where you played him at right guard, but then you realize, actually, we want to play him at tackle. And then he's completely trying to learn a new position. You stick the guy where you really believe that he's going to play long term and let him develop at that spot. And I'm really excited about it because that's somebody that on our 17 hour day three draft show, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time breaking down of that's a guy you would love to get late because X, Y, and Z. And then he comes in and it just feels like everything they're doing with him has purpose. You know, you talk about the Jalen Johnson running with the twos, you know, Tevin Jenkins is taking snaps with the twos because they want to see what bore, you know, they're moving Borum over to the right. So Braxton Jones can get some snaps. Like, that's done because of Braxton Jones. I don't think that's done because of Tevin Jenkins. I don't think that's done because of Borum. I think that they they are more comfortable quantifying what they've got with Tevin Jenkins and seeing, you know, can Borum be that guy that can swing left, right, kick in at guard if you need him, whatever. But I think what they're doing with Jones is done with purpose for Braxton Jones. I don't think it's indicative of what, you know, anything about Tevin Jenkins. Um, he still does have a lot to prove, but also – you know, he, he's the one on that line that kind of does have that pedigree where they might be a little bit more comfortable. You know, the, the first rumor that came out about the line was they weren't sure about Larry Borum. So why not take a look at him everywhere you can look at him? And and they're doing that with everyone. I love it. I don't care where you're at right now. It's minicamp, you know, get some reps with everyone. See who you gel with. You could be two mediocre players and next to each other, you could be gods because, you know, you you fill in that gap perfectly and you just never know until you try it. And for so long, guys were just, well, let's, Let's see what happens. But now it's, you know, if you've played there, let's let's see if you've got it. If you're not starting somewhere, let's see if you can start somewhere else. You're not, like you said, pigeonholed into one particular thing. Yeah, exactly. And it, it is interesting because we've always said we want the kind of best players being able to play, right? And the one thing that when you do have 40-plus new players to a team, that it's going to be a meritocracy because there's not that many players that this regime have – kind of affiliates to because at the end of the day they didn't bring in most of them like the a lot of these kind of 40 new players are on one-year deals really the only people that they have any sort of link to are their draft picks so it is interesting and Anthony when you look at it and this is I think the one thing that was interesting to me is that the Bears brought in some veteran swing tackle players and the fact that you see the rookies are being brought in first and they're being put up to that first team offenses. I think that's really, really important to see because it shows that, well, okay, we may have brought in a guy like Julian Davenport to be a swing tackle or to be a depth piece, but we don't see him as a starting left tackle for this team. If, if Borum starts there, the next man up will be Braxton Jones. We believe in the guys that we have drafted and that's really, really important. And, also, when we, we've always talked about their right guard, we've seen multiple different players play there already for the Bears, and it's going to be a really interesting battle when it comes to training camp when these guys can actually hit each other. So, yeah, look, it's gonna be, it is going to be an interesting one, but what's been your take on all the new stories from the offensive line the last two weeks? Because they have been pretty interesting. 
Yeah, I think I think that's the interesting one of all is the likes of Davenport hasn't been given that the, the elevation that you would have expected to have happened last year or the year before. It it again it goes back to creating that that feeling that they're trying to build something not necessarily just for the next twelve months or next season coming up, but looking into the future of where they're possibly going to get. Are all these guys going to hit? Of course not. But are we potentially looking at one or maybe two getting in? That's all we need. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of positive stuff coming out of, especially the worries that people were saying going into camp was like, oh God, our 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 offensive line is going to be killed all over the place. People are forgetting about Jenkins at Borum last year. They're forgetting about the love that was out, especially for Tevin Jenkins. Um, and now his supposedly his back is all is all good. This was this was a guy who everyone was saying was a first rounder last year. Um, he's going to be he's going to be there. I just I just like what they're trying to do. It's young, it's athletic, it's they all seem to be growing into this together. And there is a potential for some of these guys to be there for two or three years, four years, five years together as a group. And I think from what I've read into Iverflus, his big thing isn't necessarily about having that one superstar name. It's about the unit and the whole unit coming together. And if they're all growing together as a unit, then it then it's something that's really, really enthused me as to what that looked like. Now, does that mean we're gonna go and be amazing? Of course not. But we are now in we're in June now. Will you say we're in May? We're now in June. So it's it's not like we have to be great in June. We have to be better in July, better in August, better in September, etc. Until we get into into our first game against the 49ers. And everything that's been pointed at so far points that we are getting better day by day and week by week. Yeah, as long as look this team is ready to play by the Thursday night football game against the Washington Commanders. Yes. We, are all, <laughs> we, we say that as people know, we are, we are all going to that game. So that's why we need them playing full-fledged at that time. Look, Nate, again, one of the questions that a lot of people ask when it comes to the offensive line is that right guard position. Obviously, nobody's happy with it if it was like Dakota Dozier at this point in yeah. time. But when you draft so many young guys, it's really – who stands out the most, right? Like, nobody expected Larry Bourne to play in any football games last year. They thought he was going to be that kind of swing tackle from the fifth round, and he'd come in if somebody got hurt. But you're starting to see different guys being played at that position. We've seen kind of a Zach Thomas play at that position, and he's one that a lot of Bears fans have hoped for. You've Jatara Carter is another one that a lot of people like. So what do you want to see as training camp comes at that right guard position, do you just want to see a very intense battle from the young guys, or would you like to see a veteran be brought in and kind of shore up that offensive line and give these young players time to develop behind the starting offensive line? Uh, specifically at right guard, you're asking? Yeah. Um, man, it's tough because, you know, we let a good right guard walk. Um Look, I think you just go with the theme of youth, right, and and let the guys figure it out. I, I like the idea of, you know, Sam Mustafer getting some reps there. Uh, you know, I saw Dakota got the start over him. But I think you just try to find something, figure out what you got. Maybe you bring a guy in later. But, look, if you've got young guys there that can be serviceable, I think you just figure that out. I think, you know, like you said, it's the unit here that Eberflus is looking for. So if you can put a decent center and tackle – next to a right guard maybe you can put a mediocre right guard there maybe it can be a young guy who figures it out um you know white hair daniels these guys all played right away and figured it out um maybe they were higher grades coming out but they, they figured it out so I, I don't know i it's not really an answer to your question but 
it just I, I don't know man I, I would just I want to see them be good on the offensive line I guess to answer the real question and and whether that's with a young guy or whether that's with a veteran just don't give up so many sacks I think and I'd be happy with whatever comes yeah and that's an interesting one Adam because when we talk about the offensive line like when we compare it to it even last year some of the game plans were ridiculous that they that they left some of these guys out on an island and they didn't need to, especially compared to like the play that was called by Nagy. So it's one of those that both the scheme should help the offensive line. They obviously want to be a lot quicker. They want to be a lot looser in the offensive line as well. Um, so what's been your opinion of what's been done here to try and revamp it? You've obviously lost a couple of guys that were here last year. You have a bunch of new guys, as you mentioned, on our 17-hour day three job show. <laughs> we probably, we were like, oh, here's one offensive line. We're like, oh, imagine if they went for another one. Bam, there's another one. They go for, uh, I think they were only missing one one player to get a full offensive line on day three. They had four guys drafted. So what's your opinion of what we've seen thus far, some of the reports that have come out, and kind of what you want to see as we get closer to training camp? I'm personally right on the fence with it. You know, I, I I like what they've done, but I don't think that they've they're really done. I don't think they've done enough. And you know, I've been a big proponent of that. You know, post June first, you'll see you know what names are out there that they could potentially get for for tackle. But right now, they might be just biding their time and seeing what they have uh, at left tackle right now, and then maybe they look at guard or. But kind of to Nate's point is if the whole theme is youth and you can put a guy like Zach, Tom, uh, Zach Thomas over there and he looks competent. And, and like I said, that's my theme for the summer is competency. And Nate, that's, I've been hammering that home as hard as I can as after the last several years that if this team can look competent, it's, I think people are going to just be breathing a big sigh of relief because we've been watching so much ineptitude lately that, you know, go out there and just block. And if there's a tough play and you, you see a, a young guy make a smart block, it's like, hell yeah, we're on our way. Um, yeah. You know, you, you've got that youth, and if 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 he's serviceable and there's growing pains that come with it, at least he's serviceable. And at that point, I'd much rather take serviceable. I know when you take a bunch of guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you're not expecting that. But, you know, if if it does work out like it worked out with Borum, where they're like, wow, we might actually have a little diamond in the rough on our hands, um, get him the playing time and see what you've got. It, I'd rather see an, an unknown quantity who kind of looks good and see what they're made of versus – you know, taking a 32 year old for a year and then not knowing for year two what that guy's made of. So, yeah, serviceable kind of goes with competency for me. Like, I just want to see the people they bring in do things that they say they need to do instead of, you know, we're going to run an offense that relies on tight ends and never use tight ends and bring in, you know, quarterbacks that can't run your offense, but we brought them in specifically to run the offense. And you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, obviously, I don't think they've really done enough because it's still not a great offensive line but i do like what they're doing and i i kind of see their vision i see the direction for the vision and for me that's you know that's good right now because we don't have much to go off of yeah absolutely and the one thing that i i look at when it comes to that is if you could find let's say if one of these rookies comes in and they are serviceable the one thing that you get from a guy that's a rookie and a guy that's a second year player is development happens like if you bring in a 32-year-old or 33-year-old, you know what you're getting from them. There's not going to be much change in how they play. With a young guy into this league with how offenses or the offensive line is done in college versus the NFL, it's a stark difference. And that's why it's so difficult for teams to draft guys that actually make it at the next level. Um, so that's why so many people put a premium on these positions now because 
again, there is a big difference between how they're taught in college versus the NFL. So if one of those guys can be serviceable, you've taken enough kind of swings here that you hope that at least one of them can make it. If that's the case, then that would be really, really good. But look, the name of this show, Tony, we're talking about the youth revolution for the Bears, right? We've spoken about the offensive line, obviously four new young guys coming in. But realistically, when we look at this season, it comes down to when it comes to the rookies, we will be looking at kind of three main players, right? Valus Jones Jr., Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker. But obviously, when you look at the offense, we'll, we'll start with that. You have Valus Jones Jr., you've Darnell Mooney that's kind of continuing on. And then you're praying that Justin Fields gets the development that he should and that he deserves because he was put in a really bad situation last year. So when we look at this team moving forward, how do you feel about some of those young players that really will be the core of this team, regardless of what they do in free agency next year with all the money, regardless of what they do in the draft? You're only going to be able to bring in so many, and this is the first group of this core young team that they're going to be having. So what's your opinion of it, firstly, on the offense? Well, firstly, it was a necessity for us to get younger overall on the team anyway. You know, we were trending in the wrong direction for too long, um, and it's no way to build a kind of long-term sustainable franchise. You could almost look at this if you have your ever-optimist glasses on and say this is the first year of the start of everything. You know, potentially it could be. You know, we think we have our, our quarterback moving forward, and that's the most important position. Regardless of anything else, if you get that position right, the likelihood is things will start to go well for you. You know, and we've already kind of got that sorted in a, in a young guy who can be there for the next 10 to 15 years, you know. Um, so I, I, that in itself fills me with... Um, I also feel good about the fact that we're, we're building a good depth on the offensive line with young players. You know, we're... we're you know, taking four guys in the draft there, I've no doubt that that will continue to happen. Um, and for in future drafts, we'll continue to to beef up that old line. You're coming with guys uh, on in the front office who are were former offensive linemen, so that position is dear to them. They want to, they know what they're looking for in players, and hopefully, they know how to build a successful unit. Uh, in terms of the wide receivers and 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 the receivers in general, tight end. I mean, again, these are all young guys. With something to prove even look at some of the guys that have been brought in free agents and one-year deals who haven't quite worked out elsewhere they've maybe had injuries elsewhere they maybe haven't had the same opportunities as elsewhere the majority of them are young young guys who if given the proper coaching the proper situation um and the chance to actually play could become something you know it could it, and it could be nothing but at the end of the day when you've got young guys in your team there's always that potential. Whereas if you're signing veterans, and when I say veterans, I mean guys who are pushing 30 and over 30 and, and that kind of thing, you already know what you have with them. The likelihood of them uh, evolving beyond what they have been in the league for the last you know, seven to 10 years is, un, is, is unlikely to be anything significant, if, if at all. Whereas with a young player, you always have that opportunity. Um, and I always feel as well that if you can take as many stabs at getting players in in the draft, um, then you're setting yourself up uh, for you know prospective success um, based on the fact that you're bringing in talented youth 
Um, as you say, not all of them are going to work out. But if two or three of them work out every year that you, that you bring in in the draft, that's success because that's your, that's your starters that are going to be there for the long term. Um, so in terms of the offense, I'm feeling I'm probably feeling a bit more optimistic about where it is right now than a lot of people. Um, you know, I understand Bears fans want to bring in the big name veteran and this, that, and next thing. But in terms, we've done that before. It's got us nowhere. Who was really on the free agency market that you would want to bring bring in that was that one player we were away from success? There wasn't any of them, you know. We needed to change tact. We needed to build from the bottom up, and that's exactly what we're doing. And we're doing it with young guys who are hopefully going to be there for, for quite some time. But I, just, I feel... I, have, I always have a renewed optimism after a season's finished and a new, a new season's about to begin. But I feel even better about it this year because of the way things have been handled in terms of bringing in younger guys in the off-season. I wanted to have big names, there's no doubt about that. But there wasn't any big, big names available. We, we probably did the best thing we could do for the team. And, and that all starts with the youth. Okay, so with that, one of the biggest kind of stories this week that's kind of been doing the rounds around Bears Twitter. Like, we're excited about the defense. We're excited about kind of what this offense can try and develop into. But all the stories started happening with DK Metcalf again, right? We saw these these stories maybe about a month and a half before the draft went quiet. And then obviously with Cooper Cup signing his contract this this week, you have, again, the Rams proving that the salary cap means nothing. <laughs> like they're just, it's fake to them. But when it comes to DK Metcalf, he hasn't been able to agree to a contract extension, which obviously means any team that wants a wide receiver, every single fan base is just going to say, oh, we need to go and trade for DK Metcalf. So I thought it was important that we'll mention it. We'll talk a little bit about whether it would be worth it for the Bears to even consider this because it's a nuanced conversation, right? Because you can say, yes, I absolutely want a player like this on the Bears, but do you want to play to pay that price when you don't know kind of what draft picks you're going to get? next year you could end up waiting and it might actually be more beneficial for you to do it then so nate when you see this kind of come up it doesn't even have to be dk metcalf it's any talented wide receiver that goes out there that people are saying that that could be available you see a bunch of bears fans saying oh we have to trade for him we have to get this guy what's your thoughts on all these rumors with dk metcalf right now yeah uh good question i, I guess i think about it too as one will, one will be to kind of come back to the age thing, right? So when I think of teams that are a little bit older, right, I don't necessarily think they're good or bad, but I think they're definitely focused on like winning now, right? Like I think if we looked at the average age of the Rams, they're probably going to be one of the oldest teams in the league, right? Because they've loaded up on all these older players. They're trying to go get another Super Bowl. Same thing probably down in Tampa Bay. So again, if, if the theme for the Bears is we're getting really young, which, you know, Tony had let me know the question. So I looked and now the bears are probably going to be one of the youngest teams in the league coming into this year. And they've taken, they've gone from 11 players over 30 last year to five this year. So if that's the theme and we're being young and we're looking towards the future, DK Metcalf is a win now kind of person, right? Like he's not trying to go to a team 
that's in a rebuild, whether that's the word we're calling what the Bears are doing or not. So I always get excited about it. I love photoshops of good players in Bears jerseys, but I think when you're being realistic, like, is that even a place? And he doesn't have that say, right? But is that even a place where he's going to want to go, where he's going to come fit in, where he's going to be a good team player, or is he going to ride out his contract? And if we're not making the progress he wants, go sign somewhere else. So that's what I think whenever I see those things. <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect one. It seems yeah. like anytime any sort of big name kind of comes up, like especially when it comes to like the offense, like it's always going to be that link for, for the Bears. I understand why Bears fans are interested, right? Because he has the physical profile, the position that Bears fans have been clamoring for all offseason. So it makes sense in that one. But I just think where you are right now, you've picked your lane on how you want to build this team. And I don't think you can completely mess it up by trading a bunch of picks for a DK Metcalf because you've seen what Pose wants. He wants more picks. Like, look, if you get to a point of it gets to next year's offseason, a bunch of the wide receivers get signed, you have a better season than maybe you expected and you come out with pick 17 or 18, and it's projected that a lot of the maybe the top two or three wide receivers are going to be top 10 picks. Well, then I'm fine with if you want to trade something to get a, a player like DK Metcalf. Makes sense then. But where we are right now, I think it's probably the best point to stick where you are, see how this season goes, what you really need going into next year. Because look, if you have a even an okay season, you could have a top 10 to 12 pick where you could get the wide receiver that you want and it's younger than DK Metcalf that you can mold yourself. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I personally think he's just going to sign an extension with Seattle. They have too much money still, even though like they've gotten rid of Russell Wilson. I think he's going to want to just get as much money as he possibly can because I don't think he's at the point of his career where he's going ring chasing. I think yeah. that's later on in his career, maybe after this contract, and then you'll see him kind of move into the teams that are kind of poised to win right now. He just needs to, he, to me, I get the impression he wants to be that number one guy in a team and he can be that in, in Seattle. Look, would I like him to be a bear? Yeah. Anthony, we, we spoke about this offline, right? It's the head versus the heart. The head says, no, this doesn't need to happen. The heart says, go get him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See straight away. The heart is going, Oh, number 14 jersey i could buy one of them that would be cool i i get that i get the dream that would be there the feeling i had when khalil max signed for the bears that kind of oh wow like this is one of the best players in the league playing for my team and then the head takes over and goes whoa 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 everything we've done for the last few months is the exact opposite of what going for dk metcalf would be and which would i prefer to be on do i want to have the, the guy in the room that I actually trust in Ryan Poles or shit Matt and shit Ryan that were there last year and making them make decisions. Because I'm telling you now, someone put on a tweet, if we still had last year's guys, we're offering this year's first, next year's first, the year after, <laughs> the year after, the year after, 10 years first. So what Seattle you're saying, what you're saying is DK Metcalf is going to Atlanta. 100%. He's going to, <laughs> he's going to be a flying bear by the end of the day. I, I just find, I find this... It is tempting, though. It is. He is the one guy for me personally that I could see fit into this Chicago team. He's the guy that, that you just like. I think Eberflus is kind of guy, and I think it's nice. But 
all logic points to the fact that that's not the right thing to do right now. Um, and and I just think that's that's where we're probably going to be heading towards. And I'm with you. If he's available in free agency next year, yeah, throw the money at him and see if we can get him that way. And if he's part of a building block for that, 100%. But, but this year, I think we're just 12 months out. Yeah, can, can, I, can I ask you a question, guys? Right. Okay. Yeah, so let, let's let's look at this situation. Okay. So this is another kind of point in in time where you're looking at should the Bears make this big trade for a player, right? So let me ask you a question. In hindsight, was the trade for Khalil Mack a good move, or if you went back in time, would you have not made that move? Now, if you think about everything that's come after the Mack trade. No first round picks for two years in a row. We had a quarterback who wasn't good enough. You know, did we saddle ourselves in a situation where, oh yeah, we can rush the passer, but we're not doing much else. So do, I, you want, do you want do you want to put yourself in a situation again the the there where you're giving up a lot? Do you want the easy answer? Yeah. The easy answer is obviously because they didn't win, right? Like if you if you win and you've done it, it's worth it. Right, but like at the end of the day, what do you what do you get out of it? I don't know if you guys agree, but like you made the playoffs realistically once. Like the second time you didn't make the playoffs, you backed your way in because they added an extra spot. Like for me, won- yeah, go ahead, Anthony. You won the division, right? Which is something that we don't do that much in Chicago at the moment. Mm-hmm. I get your point, right? But you won the division, and unfortunately. I feel Mac falls into the same category of that 2018 season that everyone puts it on a pedestal that it really wasn't, that it, it wasn't as good as everyone thinks it was. It, that 2018 season, as everyone always look, you look back at it, the offense was awful. It really was. It was terrible. It really was. And, and we got sucked up with this unbelievable feeling of, oh my God, we finally beat Green Bay. This is unreal. We're winning a division. We're in a position to, to really potentially push on. And next year, I remember the first game of the season, we played Green Bay at home and everyone's like, it's our year. This is going to be the year. We're going to do it. And it all unraveled and ha- didn't get recovered because it wasn't there in the first place. <laughs> no, I do not want him back. No, I do not. I swear to God, I don't. Not even funny. Um, and it's it's just, I, I find I find the Mac trade, that what I will say back to Tony in your question is, yes, I do think it was worth it. And the reason I still think it was worth it is because it gave a glimpse to Chicago fans of enjoyment and in, on what fun could be. And Khalil Mack was fun and enjoyment. Um, in hindsight, looking back, no, but I would still go back and make the trade. Because I still think it was the right thing to do at that time, um, but maybe I'm maybe I'm being wrong. I think we bought a glimpse. We bought a glimpse. <laughs> I, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, looking back, you know, it's a bad contract, whatever. But I think new guys come in and they look to make their mark on a team, right? And Eberflus and Poles are doing theirs their way, right? They've cut some guys. They're doing whatever. That was kind of the first big splash of like, hey, we've got a new coach. We've got the GM. We went out and got Khalil Mack, right? There was the move to try to get Trubisky. Then there's the move again. So I felt like a lot of that was, especially after 2018, the Bears were knocking on the door. So some of those moves kind of made sense. But I again, I just, I don't know. Khalil Mack was great. That defense was great. You can't take that away. 
I get why the move was made. It's probably not the best move in the long term because to your point, Tony, we never found a quarterback, right? And so that kind of hurts you. At least we, we never found a, a – I hate to do this to Mitch, but like, you know, we never found our, our Trent Dilfer or our Brad Johnson who could just kind of keep the game rolling enough for the defense to win it, you know, but such is life. An interesting one on that as well. Because we all gave Nagy so much credit in that first year. Do you think that maybe, like, obviously the offense was bad. They didn't have to play too many really difficult teams in that particular season. But I know we're, we're going to find out this year when Mitch does play for the Steelers. And I don't think that he's going to suddenly be a, an amazing quarterback. But if the Bears had even a competent offensive philosophy at that point in time, maybe he can be that guy that could have brought you a little bit further than where you got to. Because at the end of the day, the offense held that defense back. That defense was ridiculously good. And they were just, it's interesting to see how that, how that will unfold this year. Cause the Steelers have a pretty damn good defense and we'll see how I guess Mitch will perform for them. But again, now you're at the point of you don't want to make, the same mistake twice right you want to make sure that you put the right pieces around justin fields you give him the opportunity to succeed and i look i think it's a really interesting question actually tony because you can look at it from both sides right like anthony said short-term success you've got that feeling of winning the nfc north which by god we rarely get to feel right you get to beat the packers even just that first game of what khalil mack was able to do against green bay like it was it was one of those like really hyped up moments for Bears fans that really we don't get that often because the team hasn't been very good recently. But then when you look at it as an overall, like what did you get? You lose the, I know you can say, well, the Raiders didn't select anybody that was really good with those six, but again, you can't assume that that's who the Bears would have picked, you know? So that's a, that's a real interesting question. Look, Adam, I, I don't know what what's your opinion on this. Do you think that it was a trade that, with hindsight, it was worth it, or do you think that if the Bears were went back to that point, that they just wouldn't make that trade again? I've been laying in the weeds, just soaking this one in. Um, <laughs> it's, it's first off, kind of to Nate's point. You know, we never had that that Brad Johnson, that Trent Dilfer, and I think that that was part of the the thing that's going to inform my answer to Tony's question. Is you know we had a, a coach who may have had Trent Dilfer at his, you know, at his absolute best, but he was coaching like he had, you know, Patrick Mahomes under center. So, so that in itself was, was a problem. But I think the the thing about the Mac trade is it, it, at the time it was exciting, went out, bought a shirt right away. You know, I'm hyped because this, this guy is, he's a difference maker. And, and like you said, new regime, they're putting their stamp on it. And obviously you've got your, your optimistic glasses on, but then you look back at it and, you know, I, I really think that kind of screwed up the timeline because there were some good nuts and bolts there. They had some good pieces there. But the second you trade that capital for Khalil Mack, you're essentially saying we're we're ready to win now. We've got <laughs> you're ready to win now. We've got these guys in the building. You don't have those picks. So you're you know, if you don't win now, then you're you're not getting that young first round capital, high round capital that's going to help you build your team. They didn't know what they had in Mitch. They didn't know what they had in an offensive coach. And hell, eight games into that 2018 season, that offense stopped. That team was carried by the defense. They weren't doing anything. So the fact that, you know, they went all in on Khalil Mack without even knowing if the offense was going to function at a basic level, 
And then what, three seasons later, they still couldn't function at a basic level. So, you know, in, in hindsight, as much as I loved having Khalil Mack here, they, I, they just weren't ready. They didn't have the plan. And that's, uh, that's, I think where the whole polls thing where like he says something and then he does what he says he's going to do. And, and for the longest time, you know, we got Khalil Mack and we were ready to win. And then we did nothing. Our coach didn't get better. Our roster started getting worse, older, paying guys, you know, giving out big contracts. And it, it was cool because we did win. And I haven't experienced much winning in my Bears lifetime. Besides outside of that Super Bowl appearance in 06, you know, they've, they've been atrocious. And I hear it from my Wisconsin family all the time. But, you know, that that one season really didn't do anything when you look at the disappointment that came after it. And it was such a short sighted move that like, hell yeah, it was awesome. And there was so much hope that it built up in us. But then it's like, man, these guys suck. They don't know what they're doing. So you look back now and it's like, you know, maybe if we do have those holes and we have those high picks, we can get a quarterback. We can get, you know, some more offensive linemen or address those things that we really weren't doing well at. So, you know, it, it was cool to have the name. I'll, I'll never I'll never lose that feeling. We'll always have 2018. Um, but but, you know, looking at how it played out, you know, they, they, they didn't have a plan. And that, I think, really kind of screwed up what little semblance of a plan they did have. Yeah, look, yeah. Adam, it could, it could be worse. You could live with a Patriots fan. So, <laughs> so it, it's, it's all good. I'd also say about Mitch, you know, he's a good athlete. Like, he's a good runner, which is really funny to me that Justin Fields is here and, and people want to see more read option and more running because Mitch can run. And I think he showed that a lot. And when he went to Buffalo, I thought that was a great fit because maybe he's not Josh Allen, but he's got some of those similar traits. We didn't get to see him use, but the fact that like in Chicago, they never really let him use that second dimension of his game and let him run and let him put pressure on defenses. And that they just forced him to drop back and throw it to Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton and, I, I just don't think they set him up for success. I think that's a big piece of it. So, I, I, look, I don't know that you can pin it all on going to get Khalil Mack. I think there's a lot of shortcomings on the offensive side of the ball that, yeah. I mean, hell, look at Cordero Patterson once he left. Like, yeah. just the just maybe misusing guys or putting them in the wrong position. Like, I don't know. That's the thing, though, Nate. It was, it's totally symptomatic of having Matt Nagy as your offensive play caller because – he was forever stuck in that scheme. That was the only scheme he was ever going to play. And if you didn't fit in that scheme, then you were the problem. Yeah. You know, when any other coach worth of salt would change the scheme and, and, and be smart enough to be able to come up with something to fit the players that you've got, he had Mitch, right? And it didn't work. So they said, oh, he gets a, a better quarterback, he'll make it work. He's got a better quarterback in Justin Fields. He didn't make it work last year either. I mean, fair enough, there were other things involved in that as well. But at the end of the day, he, he, he was clearly inept at yeah. doing anything successful with, with an offense. So to, to, to your point as well, Kieran, um, I, I I mean, I'm, I'm a Mitch guy in the sense that he's one of us. He always will be one of us, okay? Um, he, he's, not a great, he's not a great quarterback by any means, but I hope that he goes to Pittsburgh and, and, and shows out because uh, he's never been in a good offense. He had John Fox, and then he had Matt Nagy, and then he's been a backup in Buffalo, where he's probably learned a lot more in that year than he did in the five years he was in Chicago. You know, so I I, I really hope that he does go out and, and, and show out, and I think it's also going to be hugely beneficial for Justin Fields this year because he doesn't have Matt Nagy anymore either. So you're going to hopefully see both these guys make a jump, hopefully Justin Fields more. But, you I know, I... I think what hurt Nagy and, and why I actually liked his comments when he went back to Kansas City is 
and maybe I'm wrong, but I think he was one of the youngest head coaches at the time he got the job. And I think with that youth probably comes a lack of experience, a lack of knowledge, right? So he's just running what he knows. And what he knows is a little limited, right? I think you were seeing Mitch telling him, right? Hey, people are keying these plays. They've picked up on these plays. They're not working. And maybe there's a little bit of arrogance in the coach, this young guy, right? Who's trying to prove himself. And he got the damn coach of the year award saying like, no, trust me, my stuff works. You know, when it was, it was clear that it, it had stopped working. So I think, you know, that combination of, yeah, I, I hate to call him inept. I think he's, I think he's good. I just think he was young. He was inexperienced and he wasn't humble enough to evolve his playbook. And you watched it, right? He brought in these offensive coordinators and they'd be gone in a year. And if things struggled, you know, he would blame them. But then when you really like dive down, he's like, oh yeah, well, I'm still calling the plays. And it's like, okay, well, that's probably the problem. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hope he does learn. I hope he gets another shot. Uh, I hate that my favorite team was the team he got to experiment with, but you know, life goes on. Yeah. Look, we like to finish. Can I just ask one more question before you go ahead? Sorry. Okay. Um, Quick question. If you took Ant and uh, put a visor on him, um, you know, based on the fact that he's got his Bears jumper on as well. Do you really want me to start saying the curse word again to you? Is that what you want me to do? Is that what I'm you're trying sorry. to get me to do? I'm sorry. I just need to wind you up with the guys in the comments. Absol- I do apologize. Absolutely. I told you I'd get you back. Yeah, I told you I'd get you okay. back. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I okay. this. Kieran, it's on you. I can see it. Yeah, I can see Is it. That a, sorry, was that a question? <laughs> was that a question? <laughs> I didn't hear a question there. No, not really. I just make it a speech. <laughs> so, to, finish, to finish the show today, I wanted to kind of bring up a little bit of a weird story sorry. that's kind of gone around. And Anthony will love this one. But our favorite, uh, our favorite Green Bay quarterback, Karen, Mister Karen Rogers, he's yes. going out with a witch. He's, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he is going out with a witch and a what was it? She said that she's a witch and a medicine woman. Apparently, this is all. Her, Please, her name, go next. Hold up. Her name is the best part. Her name is Blue of Earth. So the first thing that came oh. into my mind, I don't know about you guys. So my first thing was, is of her middle name. Or brilliant. is her last name of Earth? Brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> this is... I, I thought he couldn't get weirder. I actually thought he couldn't. I'm like, how more? He doesn't talk to his mom. He doesn't talk to his dad. doesn't talk to anybody. And now he's married to working out with a witch. I mean, <laughs> the guy's a fruit ball. He is a nut job. He, he, she, whatever he wants to call himself. It's brilliant. It, I actually thought the story was a joke and I read it. Uh, and I also read it in a specific website that I, I actually usually gives out jokes. I just went, no, that can't be serious. Um, he is, he's just, I wonder if he's gone on Maccabee to talk about being a wizard. Does that make him a wizard? If, if there's, if there's one saying... person who's going to be absolutely ecstatic that he is dating a witch and a medicine woman, it's going to be Pat Maccabee. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I watch, I watch. He announces on wrestling on Friday nights, and he gets so into the characters, and he is going to absolutely love that he can interview Aaron Rodgers about a witch. Oh yeah, <laughs> be like Aaron, Aaron, what's this? I hear you're, you're dating a witch. You're dating a witch. 
Does she go to Hogwarts? Yeah. <laughs> and then they just just smoking a cigar, <laughs> saying nothing on the screen. He, de- he definitely had like he was at one of those retreats, and all they did was show Harry Potter movies as they were getting all those kind of cleansing things that he likes to do. So then he decided to go out with a witch. But yeah, look, you look, do I, what you want to do, Harry. Happy, happy, you know. I think all of these things confirm like why his family's kind of distanced themselves from him. Like at first that was like, oh, is this just gossip and rumor? But he just keeps doing more and more stuff where it's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't want to hang out with this guy either. Like just, yeah, uh, to be fair, it's like what he said, he's he's a fruit ball. Like you, you just, you can't understand, you can't explain it, right? You don't know what a fruit ball is, but it's there. And that's, and that's him. He's like, I don't know, it's... See, when you say that she's a witch, what does that actually mean? Has she got a broomstick? <laughs> I mean, is she actually just she, a domestic? No, she is. Like, she's what? a medicine woman. She thinks she's a witch. Yeah, she refers to herself as a witch. This this Aaron Rodgers thing is the perfect example for a thing I always talk about on Twitter. And I was talking about Jack Del Rio yesterday. Like, just because a guy's good at football, you should not take their life advice. Like, that. Th- there's a line to draw here, right? So, like, Aaron Rodgers, probably Hall of Famer, but, like, his views on probably crystals being a healing medicine and things like that. I, you, you want to stay away from that. You know what I mean? Well, now uh, we know where he got it from. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. He got it from the witch. She was telling him to, that's like, uh, someone on just... green Bay is going to like break a bone and he's going to like sprinkle some crystal dust over it. It's, like, it's going to be uh, like in the water boy, he's going to go down and be hurt and she's going to run up with the cold water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still cold. <laughs> she's gonna be like a wand or something she'll be like this will heal you yeah. now, now if they get married and he takes her last name it'll say earth on the back of his jersey right yeah. hey if you can get he hate me onto the back of a jersey you can get of earth i can't imagine like anyone in green bay is like excited about <laughs> this like yeah, cool, Aaron. Like, bring your witch girlfriend to the can, team party. Can, like, yeah. can I follow that up, right? I guarantee you there's people defending him about this. I guarantee <laughs> you there's people in cream. They put cheese on their heads and their team's name is Packers. These I'll, guys I'll having you. a clue. I'll tell you what, though, like having a lot of my friends from college in Wisconsin, you know, all the all the original stuff, the the vaccine, the, every everything, all that. They're totally on board with him. And then he starts doing this stuff like, oh, I ate a whole stick of ghee and crapped my pants, like <laughs> doing doing the, the cleanses and then all this. And like you're starting to see them kind of fall out of line with it because they're like, all right, man, we supported you on the, you know, the, these talking points. But now you're getting a little crazy for us. So, so it, 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 there's, there's actually a line. Yeah. That was the line. These I think that was a line. Yeah. Cheese on their heads and think it's cool. These, these, yeah, cheese, not geese. <laughs> unless, unless she can like put a spell on him to actually throw a touchdown in the playoffs. Oh, I, boom! I don't know what oh. this does. Like, I don't. You know, he's gonna change his celebration now from the discount double check to just somebody hands him a broomstick. He's just gonna <laughs> go around the field. I can't wait till like. The, you know, like, uh, I think on basketball, like Draymond Green's wife went viral for complaining. Like, I can't wait to see Blue of Earth start complaining about Packers calls and that just gets like retweeted everywhere. I can't imagine what she'll have to say. Does she have a Twitter? Does she have a Twitter sure account? She does. She it's, definitely a bur- it's definitely a burner. It's like Red of Mars or something. <laughs> Oh my god! I just I had to bring this story up because it was just hilarious when it, when it kind of came up. Uh, uh, like 
you must feel for someone like Jordan Love. You can't even play, and your starting quarterback has gone out with a witch. Like you've no chance at this point in time. Yeah, like, hey, Aaron, does she have a sister, Green of Earth, or? <laughs> Oh, where does he God. meet these women i think is the other question i mean the other ones were all yeah, these retreats where they eat geese they can crop their pants <laughs> hey, some girl got some fresh ghee <laughs> i want to i know we didn't talk about it or maybe i missed it can i lob a grenade out there for people for bears yeah. Go for that. So, so i saw a thing that was talking about darnell mooney uh possibly being a number one receiver because he has like some of the best separation stats compared to other stats. And I just want to say that there is a little nerdy. There's no correlation between separation and performance. And that, that really doesn't mean anything. If you go look at like who led the league in separation, I think it was like Rondell Moore and a couple other guys. So can he be a wide receiver one? Yes. Is that the stat that proves it? No. Sorry. I, th- I think part of the reason that's a focal point for a lot of people is because those years where it was like Ken, uh, like Wright and everything, uh, Dontrell Inman, they, they were last in the league or towards the last in the league in separation. So for some reason, it's like, oh, they can get open. But it's like, also, they might be open because they're not guarding them because they know Andy Dalton's not going to get the football to them. <laughs> so their attention is elsewhere. And, you know, there's like you said, that's definitely not indicative of anything. But I think it's just that little like sliver of, you know, once we got Allen Robinson, our separation got a little bit better. And then Darnell Mooney's separation's a little bit better. And, you know, those those little things we can grasp at because it's just been so bad for so long. I, that's I exactly. I think he's good. I think his thousand yard season should stand on its own. Let's see what he does this year. But yeah, I don't I don't want to shoot that down, but it doesn't really mean much. Yeah, I I love how we can talk about like gee and witches and then suddenly you just go back to bear stuff. <laughs> that reminds yeah. me. Well, Tony that told me, so, mini notes here. so Tony told me a question, so I had my notes and I'm like, I don't want to miss out on on my Mooney comment. I love it. I love it. I yeah, it, it's very good, but look, it's it's been a pleasure having you on on the show, Nate. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Do you want to tell the guys where they can find some of your work? Yeah, so I write for the Bears Wire. Uh, that is at bearswire.com. And, you know, the offseason's starting to kind of ramp down. The regular season's coming back, so you see me write a, a bit more on there. Uh, Nate Atkins on Twitter, at Nate underscore Atkins3. Uh, if the Nate Atkins without the underscore is out there, please give me your Twitter handle. And uh, I tweet about a lot of random stuff. Occasionally, you'll get some Bears stuff. If you really want to read my writing, it's on Bears Wire. That's probably the best place to get it. I'm going to ask you one thing, Nate. Who, who's Nate Atkins 2-1 that you weren't able to get Nate Atkins? Well, here's so the three is I'm actually the third. So I was like, yeah. you know, putting that on there. But yeah, maybe I should go for Nate Atkins 1. I don't know. Burner, burner account. <laughs> They'll never see it coming. They'll never see it coming. Nate Atkins three is so smart. Yeah. <laughs> you mean you mean how like it was that guy that was like slagging off Alice Jones Jr. and decided to make a burner with his same first name and thinking people wouldn't realize it's him? Oh my god. <laughs> There's a guy that, doing slander on Justin Fields, and then he he put a whole video on of basically Darnell Mooney getting missed. And Fields was still playing for Ohio State. And <laughs> the really done. So yeah, wouldn't be trusting the videos on uh, slagging Bears players off, really. No, I'm excited for this year. I think the Bears, I think they're doing a lot of good uh, 
Velas Jones hype. I think they're really building him up. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does. And I think he might have a pretty key role in this offense from everything we're hearing. Well, yeah. considering he's in, considering he's in his forties. Yeah. He's, <laughs> only, he's only got one year left, really. I think he's well even get up in the morning, you know, he's that old. <laughs> I think people make too much out of the age of receivers at times or players in general at times. So uh. Twitter, Twitter. Yeah, I know. Uh, it is what it is, but look, Nate, it's been a pleasure having you having you on. Um, guys, make sure that you do like the video. If you're not subscribed already, make sure you do subscribe. If you're listening to us over on audio, make sure you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That we really appreciate it. We have a bunch of videos coming out over the next couple of days. We've done one on all the updates for the OTA. So they that will be getting released. I believe it will be on Friday. And we also have one on DK Metcalf and Anthony and Tony are going to be doing a bit of a rant show. So can't wait for that one because it's going to be whatever crap pisses them off on, on Twitter that day. That's what witches. it's going to come up to. Witches. So it could be witches. It could be blue of earth. That's all I'm going to say. We're, we're going to try and interview blue of earth. Myself and Tony are going to try and interview blue of earth. I got, I got water right here. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very good look it's been a lot of fun it's always good talking bears we will be back obviously next week as well with another live show but there will be videos almost every day on the channel so make sure you do subscribe make sure you hit the notification button so you don't miss any of that and until next time all we can say is bear down bear down, bear down.